Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. And uh, morning if you're uh, joining us on, uh, on Zoom. Good to have you with us um, in person or, or watching online. Uh, welcome to, uh, to everybody here today. I'm going to begin with some, uh, some words of prayer from uh, the Apostle Paul. A little later on, we're going to be looking at uh, the place of, of power, of God's power, in, uh, in the battle that we face as, as Christians. And uh, Paul prays for the Ephesians Christians in this way. And this is a prayer for us as we begin uh, this service. Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you fill your church, that you are the head of the church. And Lord Jesus, thank you that through your death and resurrection, that you are now seated at the right hand of the Father in victory and authority. And we thank you that you have poured out the power and presence of your Holy Spirit on your people from that place of victory and authority at the right hand of the Father. And we want to ask, Father, that you would pour out the gift of your Holy Spirit upon us today. As we gather, may your power, may your presence be among us. Holy Spirit, we say that you are welcome here. Come with power. Make us aware of your presence and help us to be free in your presence, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be free to participate today, not just to be those who... Um, observe, but to be those who contribute. Lord, release prayers in us, release um, pictures in us, release prophetic words in us, Lord. May your spirit be at work among us, building up and encouraging your body today. Work even through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing of that power that raised Jesus from the dead that's at work in us as we stand together and sing in Christ alone.
let's lift our voices to God in, in adoration. Um, really help those on Zoom if you could uh, raise your hand and then uh, Janine will come to you with the mic uh, so that we can be heard. Let's lift our voices in praise and adoration as we uh, pray openly to God. words from Hebrews. In the day of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to God, who was able to save him from death, mm. and he was heard for his godly fear. Mm. Although he was the son, he learned obedience through what he had suffered, and mm. being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Thank you, Lord, for your words. Mm. Amen. Lord, it's just so good to be able to meet together in your name this morning, Lord. Yes. Yes. We just thank you that we can sing those songs of praise. You laid aside your majesty. You gave up everything for me, for thank each you. one of us, Lord, because of you, because of your love, mm. that we are drawn to you, Lord. We just thank you that we can meet together in your name, Lord, mm. to declare you're our Lord, you're our God. You are our salvation, Lord. And it's not in because of what we've done or what we've earned, but because of your love, yes. because of your obedience on that cross, Lord, yeah. that we have eternal life, that sin and death is no more grip on us, Lord, because you have conquered it, Lord. Mm. You've raised yourself and you raise each one of us, Lord, up with you, Lord. Yeah. Help us to trust you, to know that you're our God. Yes. Help us to love you even more, Lord, because you first loved us. Greater love hath no man than he laid down his life for his friend. And you're our friend, Lord. You've said that. And we just delight to be able to meet together in your name. Lord. Mm. Praise your name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, you brought to the throne 70 years ago today our Queen. And we give him. We give you thanks for her reign, for her obedience to you, mm -hmm. and for her love for her people. Mm -hmm. Lord, you have blessed her in many ways. And now she is celebrating 70 years, the longest reigning monarch in this land. Lord, just thank you and praise you for that. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, mm. all my innermost being, praise his holy name. Amen. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, Thank you. who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. Thank you. Who redeems our life from the pits Amen. and crowns us with love and compassion. Amen. Who satisfies our desires with good things mm. so that uh, youth may be renewed like eagles. Amen. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Mm. We bless your holy name, dear Father. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Um, Mark's going to bring us uh, a live uh, all-age talk. Thank you. Thanks, Martin. Um, yeah, back live today, so no video. Um, it's great to see you all. Um, so, I've not got any props, have I? <laughs> but that's because I'm not on my own today. Um, I might have to go and get him. Hold on. I have my lovely assistant, Jan, here to help me this morning. <laughs> um, so yeah, this morning we're going to be looking at the armour of God. Um, hence, Jan. So we've already probably read the passage from Ephesians. Martin read from Ephesians earlier. But Ephesians 6 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Um, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which is uh, <laughs> extinguished the flaming arrows, uh, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I thought we might have a look at these in turn. I thought it might be helpful because we all know that passage, it trips off the tongue, doesn't it? But what does it really mean? So let's first turn to the belt, the belt of truth. Um, now, belts are quite useful. My belt sort of sometimes keeps my jeans up. If I was wearing a shirt that I tucked in that was done up, I would tuck that in my belt, wouldn't it? It would hold my shirt in place. For a soldier, the belt holds his tunic, his breastplate in place, it holds his sword. Um, so the belt is really important, and truth is really important too, isn't it? Because one of the biggest tactics of the devil, one of the biggest lies that the devil uses is, well, one of the biggest things the devil uses is to lie to us, isn't it? The devil lied to Eve in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? And she fell for it. And Adam and Eve ate the apple, and, and that's why the world's in the state it is today, isn't it, really? Um, but the devil also lied and tried to trick Jesus in the Garden of... in the wilderness, sorry, <laughs> getting, getting confused. So the devil tried to trick Jesus in the wilderness. But Jesus knew the truth, didn't he? So he was able to resist the devil. So knowing the truth is really, really important. And next comes the breastplate. So the breastplate, what does the breastplate do? Well, the breastplate covers our heart, doesn't it? It protects our heart. And it's with our hearts that we love God. But it's the breastplate of righteousness. So deep down in our hearts, we also know what's right and wrong, don't we? And that's what righteousness is. Righteousness is knowing and doing what is right. Um, 
But the devil doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to, to, to know God. He doesn't want us to love God. He doesn't want us to choose the right thing. So he tries to trip us up and, and puts obstacles in our path. But the breastplate of righteousness will protect our heart and it helps us to choose to do the right thing, doesn't it? Now, who can remember what was third? Shoes, shoes, sandals. So, uh, yeah, third is shoes or armor. Now, for a soldier, their shoes protected their feet over all sorts of rough terrain, didn't they? Um, and our shoes do the same thing, don't we? When we go outside, let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever trodden on a piece of Lego without any shoes on yeah so wow that hurts doesn't it so I, I can remember I, I did that and um, yeah I, I, I probably I, it, it hurt it just really and I probably got a bit angry and I'm almost certain that I said things that I shouldn't have said now the shoes are the readiness of the gospel of peace in my house that day there certainly was no peace there was there was not peace reigning but if i'd worn shoes if i was wearing shoes i could have trodden on the nothing would have happened i wouldn't have even noticed would i and peace might have reigned in in my house on that day but that's not where where it stops because the shoes are the readiness of the gospel of peace. So that implies we need to be ready to do something, doesn't it? So we need to be ready to share the gospel of peace at all times. And that's what the shoes allow us to do. Now, what's next? Shield. So a little bit of an impromptu shield. <laughs> we didn't have a shield. So the shield of faith. We said earlier that the devil doesn't want us uh, to be Christians, does he? He doesn't want us to know and love God. He doesn't want us to have a relationship with God. He puts temptations in our way. He puts things to trip us up that will spoil our relationship with God. And he tries to stop us having that relationship. Um, so he tries to get us to take our eyes of Jesus but the shield of faith in the Ephesians passage Paul describes those tactics that the enemy uses as flaming arrows but the shield can deflect those flaming arrows can't it and they might stick into the shield but they're not going to get through to us so the shield protects us from the tactics of the devil so that we can stay true to our faith so we're getting through them now aren't we next one is a helmet and it's called the helmet of salvation now where does where do we wear a helmet on our heads that's a good answer i'm glad you all got that because i've been worried it's like pointless isn't it who is the queen only 98 percent said elizabeth <laughs> um, so the helmet is on our heads and what does that protect that protects our minds doesn't it we might know 
through the, the breastplate of righteousness, what is the right thing to do in our hearts, mightn't we? But to coin our phrase, our minds have a mind of their own. Um, and the devil tempts us in our minds, doesn't he? So he might try and get us to choose things that aren't of God, to choose the wrong thing, to choose something that may be selfish or greedy. And the helmet protects our minds and reaffirms for us everything that Jesus did for us on the cross. And it gives us the courage to resist temptation. So the last one, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When Jesus resisted temptation in the wilderness, I said earlier is because he knew the truth. What was the truth? Well, the truth was the word of God, wasn't it? He knew the scriptures and he quoted the scriptures to the devil and the devil couldn't argue with that because the word of God is the thing that the devil can't argue with. Um, so it's so important for us to know the word of God, for us to read the Bible and to, to, to get into that relationship with God because that's how he speaks to us a lot of the time, isn't it? So if we know the Bible, like he did with Jesus, and I'm sure a lot of us have experienced it on occasions, if we know the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will bring to mind those scriptures when we need them, either when we're tempted, so that we can resist the devil like Jesus resisted the devil, or actually on a positive angle as well. We might be in a conversation with someone who's struggling with something. The Holy Spirit might bring to mind a scripture for us that will help them build them up, whether they're brothers and sisters in Christ or, or just anyone. The Holy Spirit will bring the Bible to life for us and give us the right words to say when we are speaking to people. So that is the armor of God. And surely that if we're fully equipped with the armor, we're in a position to, to go into battle, aren't we? But, but, Paul doesn't stop there. Yes, Leslie. Just come and answer a bit. Um, I used to love teaching about the Romans. <laughs> and each Roman soldier was incredibly strong and invincible. But when they actually went into battle, they used to go together and they used to hold their shields like that. None of them would hold them over their heads. And that formation was like a, they looked like a tortoise. So, following on from what Mark said, actually, if we stand together in faith, then we can be stronger. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you, Leslie. So, the armour is good. It protects us, doesn't it? But Paul doesn't stop there, does it? And, and we often stop there when we read that passage, but Paul goes on to say, um, where is it? Paul continues, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with that in mind, be alert and always be praying. You see, being a Christian is about having a relationship with God. 
It's about loving, loving God and God's love for each of us, isn't it? We can have all the faith in the world. Yeah, we can know everything there is to know about Jesus. We can know everything that he's done for us. We can know the Bible inside out. But without a relationship with God, it's meaningless. And that relationship is built on communication. And communication is prayer. We speak to God in prayer on our own. We've, we've prayed this morning as a church. We've communicated with God. We've given him our worship. We've talked to him in singing and in prayer. But we do that on our own as well. Because prayer is the thing that enables us. And the relationship with God is the thing that enables us to put on all this armor. It's the thing that it all hangs on. Prayer is the thing that strengthens us in the good times and in the bad times. And it gives us the endurance to keep going when things get tough. Prayer is what helps us to grow more like Jesus. So all of this is great, but without prayer, without that communication with God, without that relationship with God, really it's, it's a little, not meaningless, but it doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't have the power behind it. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Please, you've got your cat, Jan. You've got your cat. Thank you, Mark and, and uh, Jan, for that. Great. Um, can we take up the offering, please? Somebody got the. Thank you. Thank you, Ginny. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for all the, the gifts that you give us, We're reminded of there in the, the armour, our salvation in Christ, our righteousness, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the truth of your word and the peace that the gospel brings and the righteousness that comes through your word and is ours in Christ. Lord, you have given us so much and so we gladly bring you this offering as our response to all the lavish grace that you've poured out on us in Christ. Lord, we lay down our lives before you. We offer you ourselves as we offer you this money. But Lord, as we um, think of prayer and the power of prayer in that passage in Ephesians 6, Lord, we want to commit ourselves and your church into Jesus' hands this coming week. Lord, we pray for those, all of us on the front lines, Lord, in our families, on, in our workplaces, wherever we go. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen us with the power of your spirit this week, that we would be those who take the gospel of peace into our workplaces, schools, um, families, into the homes and lives of our friends and neighbours too. And Jesus, especially as we think of the gospel of peace, we thank you for the Alpha course that's running currently on Thursday nights. We pray, Lord Jesus, that through the power of your spirit, you would bring um, understanding 
and wisdom and insight to those that are attending. Lord, open the eyes and the hearts and the ears of those attending that they might see Christ and come to know him. Holy Spirit, bring conviction, we pray. Bring more people into your kingdom. And Lord, we pray for those who through um, ill health and through the struggles of life need the power of your spirit. Lord, we pray that you would deliver them from the evil one and keep them from temptation. We know, Lord, how Satan would love to discourage those who are struggling. And so, Lord, we stand shoulder to shoulder with them this morning. Lord, we want to pray for Kathleen Hedges. We want to ask, Lord Jesus, for your healing grace and your power to be at work in restoring her back to health. Lord, I pray that the pacemaker would take well and that you would bless that for her. Lord, we pray for Roger Clover for his treatment. We just pray your blessing and healing and wholeness upon him. And Lord, for those who struggle with long-term health conditions, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them with power. For those who are unwell today, Lord Jesus, deliver them from the evil one, keep them from temptation. Strengthen them, Holy Spirit, and help them to know, Lord, more of your love, the love that passes understanding. Jesus, we thank you for the power of prayer, and we thank you that it's because you went to the cross and died, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, giving us access into the Holy of Holies, that place of intimacy with the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that through your death and resurrection, we can draw near to God in prayer. Forgive us when we take this wonderful gift of prayer for granted. Lord, give us a heart, a desire, a devotion to prayer, to that relationship that you've given us in Christ. And in his name, we ask it. Amen. Um, I don't know, are you going out or are you staying? staying? So I've asked uh, Mary if she'll come and read uh, our passage today. Thank you. Gethsemane. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. <coughs> The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. 
Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared with, appeared. with him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. And then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we've been reminded that um, this, of the sword of the Spirit this morning, which is the Word of God. Lord, through your Word to us in Scripture, the powerful work of the Spirit comes to us. And we ask, Lord, that through your Word this morning, as it's expounded and proclaimed, that the sword of the Spirit would divide joints and marrow in us, that you would cut through, Lord, to the heart in us. Help us to hear you, understand you, Lord, and apply your word to our hearts. And above all, help us to, to say this morning with Jesus, yet not my will, but yours. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you've seen... Um, from, uh, from uh, Jan and Mark already, that the Christian life is a, is a, is a battle. Um, it's, it's not a, the Christian life is not lounging by the pool. It's not pipe and slippers. It is a life of battle. Um, you know this, of course. I'm not telling you, you anything here you don't know, but you cannot afford to go to sleep on the job as a Christian. You cannot afford to stop praying and to stop being alert to the devil's schemes, because he is constantly seeking, have you noticed, to discourage you, to tell you that it's not working, that it's too much like hard work, the Christian life, that those prayers aren't being answered, that you've been praying. He loves to discourage and to cause you doubt and fear. He loves to bring you down. Have you noticed? That's what he does. He's the accuser. He's the one who lies. He's the one who tries to not get us to put our faith and hope in the word of God, but to listen to our own flesh and to say, yeah, you're right. It isn't worth it. It's too hard. It's not working. And so it doesn't matter whether you're on holiday or at work, whether you're busy or whatever, Satan is always at work. He's always whispering his lies into our ears. For some of you, there may have been something that was said to you many, many years ago, decades ago, and you're still hearing that lie spoken by Satan. Somebody, a teacher, a parent, somebody may have spoken something into your life 
And you're still struggling, still struggling today with that lie. The only way to stand firm and to overcome, as we've seen, is through prayer and through trusting in God's promises in his word. We're in a battle and it's every day and it doesn't let up. But the good news is that Jesus has gone through this battle and he's overcome. He's overcome in the desert and he's overcome in the garden and he's overcome on the cross. And so we have hope that Jesus in his humanity understands and enables us to have victory. It's good news, isn't it? We're not on our own. We have one who understands and comes alongside us and strengthens us in the battle. That's the good news. You can't get away from the battle, all right? You're in a war. That's why you need to pray. Prayer is the walkie-talkie, the communication to, to the front line from Jesus, our chief commander-in-chief, right? You need to stay in touch with the commander-in-chief because you're on the battle, front line. And that's what prayer does. So don't go to sleep on the job. Don't stop praying wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Um, this passage is really about don't go to sleep on the job. Don't be like the disciples, right? But it's more than that. It's about the fact that Jesus, in his humanity, overcame. And so through him, we can overcome. That's good news, isn't it? That's only half a sermon, isn't it? You've, I've heard those sermons. If you say, oh, yeah, you just need to try harder and overcome, you just go away and you think, oh, I'm trying, but I just can't do it. The good news, the gospel, is that Jesus has done it. Therefore, we can do it. So three things, you won't be surprised. First, because Jesus learned obedience through suffering, so we grow in obedience through suffering. Jesus had things to learn. I don't know if you're aware of that. He wasn't the full package as a human being. He had never walked on earth as a human being before. Do you realize that? That was new to him. Suffering was new to Jesus in his human flesh. He had things to learn. Um, and you know that from the temple. Where, were, where was Jesus when his parents lost him on the way home? He was in the temple, reasoning, questioning with the, with the Jewish leaders. He had things to learn. He was growing in his faith, in his understanding, in his humanity. He learned obedience through suffering. Well, you say, but he's the son of God. He's perfect. He's the full package. Yes, but he'd never been a human being before he was born to Mary before. He'd never been in human flesh before. He had to learn what it is to be tempted, to suffer, to be betrayed, to feel hungry, to feel thirsty, because in eternity, he, none of those things he'd experienced before, right? If you don't believe me, I'm going to show you in scripture that some of you are going, that's heresy. <laughs> Trust me, it's there. We'll get to it, I promise. 
Jesus, in his humanity, needed the support of his friends. Anybody need the support of Christian friends? Goodness me, however do we need that? Gosh. Those texts that I get, those emails, those messenger messages, are lifesavers, aren't they? They come in at the right, just the right time. We need people to stand shoulder to shoulder with us, with their shields overlapping with ours, right? We're not made to stand there on our own. We're made to be shoulder to shoulder. Um, I love the Irish national anthem that was played at the rugby, wasn't it? It goes shoulder to shoulder, we'll answer Ireland's call. I always think other national anthems are so much better than ours, but that one in particular, I love that because it reminds me of the Roman soldiers in battle formation. Shoulder to shoulder, we'll answer Christ's call, right? <laughs> Jesus needed support from his friends. Listen to the state that he's in, verse 33. If you don't believe that Jesus was fully human, these scriptures don't make any sense, right? He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Wow. Luke's account, he sweats blood. So distressed is he that this weird condition of extreme distress causes him to sweat blood. And in verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Goodness, can we ever understand the emotional and spiritual turmoil that Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't the physical pain that he was going to face. Other people have been martyred and executed and crucified in history in even more horrendous physical ways. It was the fact that he was going to face the full horror of hell and evil and sin and death in our place. He was going to be cut off, forsaken from his father and face on his own, in isolation, the full force of the powers of darkness and evil. That's why he was overwhelmed. Can we ever grasp the depths of what the Saviour faced for us in the garden? You see, before Jesus was born to Mary, he was the eternal son of God with a divine nature. But when he was born to Mary, he, to his divine nature, was added a human nature and human flesh. And that's who he is today. He is still fully God and fully human at the right hand of the Father. He still understands your weaknesses and limitations as a human being. Isn't that good news? If you don't believe me, here's the scripture, Hebrews 5, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The word perfect there means mature, right? Not sinless. He was already the sinless son of God. It means mature. It means that he became fully mature because he learned what it is to suffer in his humanity. He'd never walked that way before as the son of God. And now, as he faced his death and went through the cross, he became fully mature. He learned what it was to obey the father through suffering and death. 
And he really, really faced his own human limitations. Listen to this, verse 36. He said, yet not what I will, but what you will. He'd pleaded with God, if there's another way, take this cup of suffering away. You see, Jesus was about to drink the cup of God's wrath on human sin. The full force of our sin and evil and the darkness and the horror of hell was about to be poured out on Jesus, who would take the punishment for our sin, God's wrath on human sin. And the, the images of him drinking down to the last dregs, the full cup of God's judgment on our sin. And he did that when he said, yet not my will, but yours. He chose the cross. Despite the fact that he felt his human limitations and weakness, despite the fact that he cried out, Lord, if there's another way, take this cup of suffering away. Yet not what I will, but you will, what you will. And the application for us is this. As Jesus learned to obey through suffering, so there is a place for us to grow and learn through suffering, right? It's there. We are called to carry our cross. We're called to follow Jesus by taking up our cross and following. And that will mean sacrifice, and sometimes it may mean suffering for the cause. This doesn't mean we seek out suffering in and of itself, because Jesus said and taught us to pray, deliver us from the evil one, keep us from temptation. In other words, we should not um, seek out suffering as a, as a virtue. That's wrong. We're not Stoics. We're not masochists. But sometimes God does allow us to go through trials and sufferings because he wants to purify us and to refine us now that won't stop me praying for healing i believe in a god who heals i believe in a god who miraculously answers prayer but sometimes god in his mysterious providence allows us to go through times of suffering because he's growing our character that's biblical it's not popular but it's biblical Peter talks about um, us being refined through trials, like gold is purified and refined. Um, I used to be a, a, a science teacher. We didn't have gold to refine, <laughs> but we used to do we used to do um, things like copper copper ore, and we used to refine out the copper from copper oxide and you know iron oxide and things like that by heating it. Um, very hard. I don't know if they still do this stuff in schools. They do. Good. I'm pleased that they're still doing practical work. But the image is, you know, the gold has to be put through fire in order for the impurities to be burnt out of it. And sometimes God allows us to go through fires of suffering so that the impurities can be burnt out from us, so that we will, so that God brings out the pure beauty of Jesus in us, right? You know, gold can't, gold can't be pure and beautiful unless the impurities are removed. 
And sometimes we, God will keep us and deliver us through the fires in order that we will be purified. That's why Isaiah says that he will walk with you through the storms, through the waters, through the fire. He won't always keep us from the fires and the storms, but he will deliver us through them, right? So if Jesus had to learn what it means to grow in obedience, the life of faith is one of fighting in prayer and enduring through difficulties. Number one. Number two, because Jesus had to fight in prayer, you bet we do, right? If the Son of God has to fight and struggle and wrestle in prayer and stand on the word of God, how much more do we need to do the same, right? You could have written this sermon, couldn't you? Right? It's obvious. But, but we need to know this stuff because we don't always do it, do we? We, we go to sleep like the disciples. We've, we're not in a, we've, we think we're lounging by the pool when we're, we should have the battle armor on, right? We're supposed to be alert. Jesus did not sail and ease through his temptations, trials and sufferings by sort of floating above the ground with one of those dinner plates on his head that you see in the art galleries, right? That hasn't, wasn't how Jesus did it. Jesus wept and cried out with loud cries of anguish in the garden. He struggled, he wrestled, he fought to stay faithful, right? How much more will we need to pray to stay faithful? But here's the good news, folks. I'll never give you a guilt trip because Jesus is the good news. Listen to this scripture. God has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And the one, the Holy Spirit, who is in you is greater than the one Satan who is in the world. Because Jesus endured, went to the cross, rose from the grave and ascended on high, he has poured out his Holy Spirit to help you and me stand firm. That's the gospel. We're not left on our own as orphans to do this stuff in our own strength. God has given us his power, the power of the Holy Spirit, who's greater than Satan. He's living in you if you're a Christian. Do you believe that? He's in you and he's greater than the one who's in the world. Hallelujah. Take it, run with it, live it, enjoy it, trust it, believe it, live it. And what Jesus did when he died was he broke the power of sin over us. It's no longer inevitable that as a Christian, you will sin. The power of sin over you has been broken. Let me illustrate one of my all-time favorite films. Apologies if you haven't seen it. It's Shawshank Redemption with Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman plays Red, who's a serious criminal, and he's been in prison so long, 40 years, that he's institutionalized. And when he's released, he doesn't know how to live on the outside, right? His life is lived by routines and prison bells and by the courtyard and by doing jobs around the prison. So when he's finally released after 40 years, he doesn't know what to do with himself. His newfound freedom is a prison because he doesn't know how to live his life without the routines of prison. 
The freedom the world promises is a bit like this. The world says you are free to live however you want to live. Just make your own way through life. There's no rules. Nobody can impose rules and standards on you because there is no external authority. Does that liberate people and free them? No. It leads to a new kind of captivity where we never find the meaning and the purpose through material possessions and through indulging ourselves that the adverts promise. There's always a hole. There's always a restlessness and emptiness inside. But you see, Jesus sets us free from the power of sin for freedom. Christ has set us free. What kind of freedom? Freedom to live in obedience to Jesus. And the paradox of the Christian faith is this. When we are set free to live a life following Jesus, then you have life in all its fullness. Third and lastly, because Jesus suffered, he helps us in our sufferings. That's good news, isn't it? Jesus was forsaken in the garden, and on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He bore the wrath of God on our sin. He was separated from the Father, and he cried out, why have you forsaken me? He was separated because he carried our sin on himself. He who had no sin became sin for us, so that we might receive the righteousness of God. Jesus was punished in our place that we might receive the reward of forgiveness that his obedience deserved. We get, as Christians, what Jesus deserved. And he takes what we deserved from us and gives us what he has earned through his obedience, which is forgiveness and eternal life. Isn't that great? That's the cross. And Jesus experienced the weakness of our humanity. He knows what it is to cry out in the garden in anguish. Anybody ever been in anguish? Anybody ever felt weak? Anybody ever struggled in their faith? Anybody ever felt forsaken? Jesus, as the old hymn puts it, he knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. He knows and understands because he has been there. He has lived in this flesh. He has been tempted in every way as you are, yet he did not sin. And so he's able to help us in our weakness. Because he's not only a human being, he's the son of God who has overcome and who gives us his spirit from his place of authority and majesty in heaven to help us run the race and finish it and claim the prize. That's good news, isn't it? Listen to Hebrews 4, verse 15. Hebrews is really a commentary on the passion narratives in the Gospels, by the way. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. This is good. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And it goes on. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's prayer, by the way confidently pray so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God wants you to come confidently in prayer to him because Jesus understands and knows your every weakness and he will give you grace and mercy and help for everything that you need. Isn't that wonderful? 
So he says, come, Martin, confidently before me in your need, and I will comfort you, strengthen you, and help you overcome and finish the race. Um, a few years ago in 2020, um, a couple of years ago, do you remember this uh, scene? It was all over the papers. Do you remember Saka uh, for England? He uh, famously missed the penalty that lost England the, Euro the Euros in 2020. And you remember Gareth Southgate came over and sort of wrapped his arms around Saka and hugged him. And that was very poignant because you will know that in 1996, Gareth Southgate famously hit the post in a, um, a semi-final that resulted in England, of course, losing to Germany in, on the penalties. Of course, where else? How else? So Saka was unique, sorry, Southgate was uniquely placed to be able to comfort Saka because he'd been there. He knew what it was to lose by missing a penalty and have it on him, right? Well, that's Jesus. That's what he does. He comes alongside us and strengthens us and gives us grace and mercy because he's been there. He's felt the betrayal of friends who fled at his arrest. He's felt the forsakenness on the cross of his father abandoning him because of our human sin. He's experienced um, tiredness. Some of you I know are tired this morning. Jesus has, was so tired, he slept in a boat in a storm. Jesus was so hungry in the desert after 40 days of fasting, right? He was thirsty on the cross. He went through every human emotion and every human suffering that we go through. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. He did that for you. And he'd have done that if you were the only person. Because he loves you. And he doesn't just come alongside us like Southgate with, with Saka and hug us and comfort us, although he does that beautifully. He wraps his loving arms around us. He doesn't just do that. He gives us the power and strength to endure with joy to the end of the race and then to claim the crown of eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? Folks, this morning, you are not on your own. God has not left you as orphans. He has given you the gift of his Holy Spirit, who is greater than the one who is in the world. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead through the Holy Spirit is at work and living in you. Do you believe that this morning? And the Holy Spirit gives you all the divine resources and power that you need to live this life of faith, run the race and endure and cross the finish line. Do you believe that? Yes. Trials will come. Temptations will come. You will struggle. But in Christ, you have the victory. Hallelujah. What a savior. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you endured and you were obedient even to death on a cross. That you understand all of our human weakness and failure. Because you've been there. You've lived in our flesh with all its weakness and limitations. Forgive us, Lord, for our lack of faith. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and fill us afresh this morning. Jesus, remind us that we have the victory in you, that in Christ alone our hope is found. He is our light, our strength, 
our comforter. Oh, Holy Spirit, strengthen us with the power of God that we might be overcomers, that we might run this race until the end and claim the, the, the prize, that we might have joy in the face of carrying our cross. I pray, Lord, for all those particularly struggling today with sickness, with emotional distress, with grief, with physical, emotional, spiritual pain. Holy Spirit, would you come and comfort them? Would you give them your grace and mercy and your help in their time of need? And Jesus, would you fill them with joy? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I believe God has been speaking to some of you this morning. Some of you are struggling, and God has reminded you that in Christ, he understands and sympathizes and empathizes with you in your weakness. And maybe you just value just praying with someone this morning because you're, you're struggling. It could be grief. It could be difficult circumstances. It could be temptation. But, you know, Jesus is here, and his spirit is here, and he wants to come alongside and strengthen you in your life of faith. Do we believe that? There are people here who'd love to pray with you. So all I'd ask is maybe if that's you, maybe um, after we've sung this final song, maybe just come and sit on the front row and uh, prayer team, just be aware of people. And if, uh, if you see somebody coming forward, just come and pray with them. Come and bless them with the power of Christ. Let's stand and sing before the throne of God above.
I sense there are others of you um, who need some prayer. So please, at the end of the service, come forward and we'd just love to, uh, to pray with you. Here's um, some words of blessing from the Apostle Peter. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.